Yo, welcome to Peace of No Mind. My name is Raymond Tanner and this is the podcast where I'll be interviewing amazing individuals as I find out what a peace of mind means to them and some of the valuable lessons they've learned throughout their journey. Each episode has been recorded at a different stage throughout lockdown, pandemic, just overall COVID living. If you like this podcast, make sure to hit me up, subscribe, send it to a colleague, send it to a friend, just send it on and follow me on socials at Peace of No Mind Show on Instagram and Peace of No Mind on Twitter. Anywho, it's been a minute. to welcome to Peace of No Mind, writer, host, and content creator, and most importantly, not even most importantly, one third of the receipts, Talani, aka Tolly T. Hello, thanks for having me. No, no, thank you for coming on, because I do know this was like part of your bucket list, right? I mean, I've had dreams about being on this podcast. (laughs) I feel like, do you know when everyone's like, when was your made it moment? (laughs) This is it. This is it. This is it. I honestly this think, and all jokes aside, like you will look back and you'll be like, anything that helped you grow as a person. This was probably one of those pivotal moments. Like I can see it already. Yeah, I, I can, can feel it. it. I can feel it. But look, most importantly, look, thanks for coming on today. Like, like I said, it's it's one of those I I was always kind of keen, not keen, but I was very interested in interviewing you and getting you on peace of no mind. I'm so sorry. Then... Why not? Keen? <laughs> I had to check myself. I'm sorry. I had to check myself. I was like, Raymond, don't do too much. No. Like, <laughs> Wait, when I want you to be keen, I, want, right. I need, I need I, you to I'm be keen. I'm not gonna lie, this is like one of the highlights of yes. Peace of No Mind. This will be like one of like that's no shade to anyone else, but yeah, getting Tolly on like is that thank enough you. enough yes, trumpet? So what I was gonna say to you is like, how have you kind of been just over these last like sort of the, just the, since this pandemic's really kicked? Like, just kind of how have you been over the last few days? In fact, as well. Ah, them ones. Um, it's it's been a time. I think I've literally bounced between like rage, sadness, and numbness. Those have been like the reoccurring themes in terms of like my moods. I've gone from being really, really angry, then being like really sad, and then just feeling numb. Like I don't know what I can do to change things. I don't know what I can do to make the world love black people. I don't know what I can do to make the world love black women. Like it's just those reoccurring themes. And then I get to a point I was like, you know what? I don't even know anymore. Like, do I need to rest? I don't even know what rest looks like for me anymore now. No, it gets real like that. Like, and especially, do you know what you were saying about fluctuating between all the emotions? Like, yeah. There were certain days and I've, I've had like so many like deadlines to hit for other projects, but there are certain days when I would interact with like the world, whether that be through social media or a phone call. And I just felt tired and heavy. And I was yeah. like, my need to have a nap has never been so frequent. Like this whole, like I've been napping like it's a, like an Olympic sport recently. Like it's, yeah. it's like, it's, and I know it's probably got a lot to do with like the climate, the conversations that are happening, the things that you, you naturally were prepared to not address for, a, or you just accepted it as a way of life. Mm-hmm. And then now everyone's like, nah, uh-uh, you've been silent too long. Everything's coming up to the boil. Yeah. Like even things that you repressed, I like, didn't even think it was like, wait, that did happen to me. Yeah. 
Because it's, I remember, like, I've seen a lot of tweets about, like, I oh, know, racism in the UK is more, like, it's not as overt, it's, you know. And I was like, actually, really overt, violent things have happened to me in the UK because of racism. So it it's not as, like, small and as micro, micro as you think it is. Sometimes it's very loud and it's very violent. Because mm. there was, it's definitely one of those things that when you also can see that other people, we knew other minorities and other black people are having similar experiences. Mm-hmm. But you know when that vocal, like, sort of tidal wave comes at once and it's like, oh, we've all been carrying it in different ways. Like, yep. even at the beginning when I was like, how do you want to be addressed? You're like, Talani, and I never used to use that before because I was afraid that um, maybe that it might have affected the way that certain opportunities were delivered. Yeah. Like, something so small as that, like, you said that as a throwaway, but I know what that really meant. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, people don't not understand sometimes the allowances that have to be made, like, and it's like, nah, do you know what? Maybe they don't need to be made. Maybe you need to hear it and maybe we need to adjust from there. Exactly. Yeah. But what I will say is you're on peace of no mind, Talani. I You're am. on peace of no mind. Well, hey. Hey. And <laughs> you know what? I ask all the guests who come on peace of no mind. I ask them, what does a peace of mind mean to you and how is it best achieved? This is such a hard question. Are you aware of that? I kind of hope so. <laughs> it's really, really difficult because I feel like peace of mind is something I've been trying to achieve. And I don't know what that looks like. Sometimes it feels like like resting without feeling guilt. Like not being productive, but also not feeling guilty about not being productive. And other times it feels like doing exactly what it is I want to do in that moment that I want to do it. So that also feels like peace of mind. And then I think the biggest what I can think of right now, and this might change, is actually being happy rather than performing a version of what I think happiness looks like. Does that make sense? That, that made a lot of sense. That, that made a, a lot, a lot of sense. And do you, have, do you think that there's times where you have to remind yourself to actually be happy? Or do you think it's one of those where just by default, you leave the house and that performing version has to kind of come on? Yeah, I'm really performative. And it's a trait that I, uh, I kind of hate, but I don't know how to stop it because it saved me in so many parts of my life. So it's the conscious, like, kind of retuning of myself. Like, Wait, am I really happy about this? Or how does this actually feel? Or am I just performing a version of what it's meant to feel like? Mm-hmm. When I'm alone, like, am I enjoying, am I enjoying exactly. that idea? Like when no one's around and, you know, I'm in, at home alone with my thoughts. Like, does this make sense? Does this make me happy? Does this actually genuinely make me smile because it makes me happy, not because everybody else thinks it's great? Mm-hmm. But that's, that's, that's like kudos to you and that reflection because those questions, a lot of people don't really tend to, to kind of align the two. Mm. It's just almost like, look, you know, you can get caught in whatever everyone else thinks is perfect and happy for you and you living out in an ideal sort of setup um, to the point where only later in your life you realise like, rah, but what, I gave 10 years, I weren't even feeling any of the things that I was yeah. onto. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got to cause yourself that headache early, personally, and question a lot of things. But um, no, that was powerful. You're like, it's a hard question, but it seemed like you were ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it stopped like, don't, don't, I'm not one of those. You can't lie no, to I me. Actually, uh, no, just, you know <laughs> I'm not that guy, not today. Not today. Nah, I'm playing, I'm playing. But um, yeah, so obviously, like, like it's what what I thought was quite interesting is you were you were actually born in London yes. and then you moved to Nigeria and then came back to Dagenham, yeah. Oh, so I lived in um, East London first. Lived in Forest first before okay. coming to Dagenham. Yeah. So I was born. Yep, yeah, in Newham General Hospital. Bop bop. Newham General. <laughs> Newham General. Everybody, near enough. Everybody from East London is born in Newham General Hospital. Um, so I was like in the UK for not a long amount of time. Like my mum didn't even give me space to be bad mind. Like, she was like... <laughs> 
she sent me back to Nigeria early. I think I was like one or even just before I was one. Mm. And I lived in Nigeria for probably about seven to eight years. So sometimes like when people talk about things, I'm like, I wasn't in England yet. Like, they talk about TV shows, and I was like, yeah, I came here in 97. I don't know what TV show you're talking about. I don't know. <laughs> no, but even, like, the whole experience, like, what, can you speak fluent Yoruba? Yes, I can. Okay, so the, this is this is the blessing and what your mum done, sick. But it was even, like, growing up in, like, primary or primary school around your peers, like, did you notice major differences when you came to the UK? Was that whole adapting process a bit yes. more for you? Yes. I was a little freshy. Oh my God, what? I was a little freshy. Um, so even like, I don't even know if it was Nigeria so much that taught me Yoruba, but like my mum was adamant that her kids were going to speak Yoruba. So I remember being younger and would ask for something. Let's say we asked for English and my mum won't reply. Or she'll be like, I don't understand what you're saying. So we had to speak Yoruba to her to get what we wanted. So that's kind of like, that's how you're going to learn. So it was it was so important to her that her kids understood the language and could not only understand it, could speak it as well. Like my mum will tell you that my Yoruba is not great, but if I speak to other, if I speak to Yoruba to you now, you'd think it was amazing. Yeah. So I remember we're like, yeah, I went to a school. I mean, I was in East London. I was in Forest Gate. So I wasn't like an, the odd black or the odd minority. <laughs> yeah, there, there was, was like, that. Said, yeah, there was a lot <laughs> of we us. We were deep. We were yeah, deep. Yeah, we were deep, deep in it, yeah, thankfully. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> I was still a little freshy though. I still had like tendencies of what, like, things that you were taught in Niger, someone hits you, you hit them back. So that was still like strong in me. So, cause it was just like, if I got hit and I went home crying for mum that I got hit, my mum be like, sorry, are you all right? If I was like, mum, they hit me. She'd be like, okay, so what did you do? I hit them back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what you're meant to be doing. I remember my mum getting called to school once because that exact same thing happened. A girl hit me and I hit her back. And in the, my mum, I was like to my mum, well, you told me that. Yeah, but did you do her damage though? She probably like flicked you and the next thing she's like out cold. Like, so. <laughs> I mean, don't start something you can't finish. <laughs> not I'm, like, just yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. So there was that. There was a specific moment that will always be funny to me. I remember um, it was just after summer holidays and the teacher was like in school. Like, let us know what you've been up to during like your like summer holidays so I was like oh I went to the bitch <laughs> what I meant to say was I went to the beach and I remember like the whole class like laughing like I was like what the fuck is funny the bitch yeah. I, I went to the beach like, <laughs> the beach I was like oh yeah the beach um but um also I was young enough to get accustomed to it very quickly this is it and then, do you know what moments like that like they, they enforce in your mind like all right cool I don't want to be that in that situation exactly again. so exactly. I'm gonna learn I'm gonna learn what you mm-hmm. guys are saying I'm gonna learn mm-hmm. how you live um and then sometimes it can get yeah you just end up losing it all but I saw a, a tweet that was quite interesting from you and it was it was along the lines of um, when you moved to Dagenham and there being Ooh. like mad racism and stuff yeah. which was like super relevant to like what we're kind of going through but what, what what was that experience you're like yeah yeah I think we were the first black people in my area like in my street we were the only black people that lived here for years and it was it was awful like we'd be walking home from school at the bus stop people throw eggs at us like it was like you're blatantly being called words just like up and down I think my primary school when I first moved here it was only two of us that were black and one guy that was mixed race and that was it but those were the only thing like in the whole school wow so that was like really interesting and just like weird dealing with that because I'd been used to kind of seeing, I mean, I come from Nigeria. That's what I'm thinking. Like faces. Yeah. I wasn't a minority. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I always say, like, I feel like it wasn't until I came to England that I realized I was black. I always knew I was Nigerian, but my blackness wasn't important to me because we were all black. Yeah. So I never needed, I needed, didn't need to identify as an other. 
until I came to England. And so like, yeah, we're coming home from school. People are throwing eggs at us. Like I remember they like wrote the N word all over my, um, my front door. What, over your front door? Like yes, your, your family door. home, yeah, like, like your loving a, mother's house. Yep. We wow. had a mat, we had a front mat and they wrote it on there as well. Um, like the floor mat before you enter the house. They'd like slash my mum's four tyres. Mm. So like we like got it. Like the kids in the area would like, even if they're playing with us, their mum would be like, come in. Like to kind of like get away from us or whatever. And <laughs> the venom in that, like, what, what, what did you think this was? Like, what? Like, yeah. what it's done for? Like what? come in sort of thing. So we like, we had that and like, I remember it just got really bad. And after the four ties and stuff, my uncle came on. I was telling my uncle this. So when we told him who did it and he just beat him up. He was just like, it's enough. Today this will end. Yeah. And I think at the time, the boy that did it was young. So he like beat up his, he, he beat up his dad. He was like, okay, cool. Like mm. we're, we're going to fight him. <laughs> like since you lot think you're bad. And it's really interesting because since then, after, honestly, after that fight happened and my uncle beat them up, it never happened again. Mm. And then we had new neighbours moving who were white, but they were really like, we really got on with them. And they were like othered as well because they were quote unquote criminals. But that's not <laughs> That's yeah, that, that ain't got nothing to, to do with that. It's yeah. nothing to do with me. Um, but then it's funny. So the guy that actually slashed someone's four tyres, I think like a couple of weeks later, his mum made, made him come around to apologise. So he came knocking at my door. He apologised. He brought her like flowers and like chocolate. And like my mum being an African mum who was Christian, you know, forgiveness is like ingrained in them. In the soul. Yeah. yeah. So like she's like, yeah, sure. Like forgives him or whatever. And I remember once I came home from school and I forgot my key and I was locked out. And I didn't know anybody else in the area apart from that boy's house. What? So what ended up happening? You just ended up knocking on door? Knock, knocked on their door and sat there. Uh, so my mum got home. <laughs> Like sat on their sofa thinking, hmm, <laughs> if these are the same people that special ones for tires. Oh no! I, the bravery of even going in the yard though, like I like big up your whole self because that that wouldn't have been like the other option. I would have just stood outside, like whipped out a school book and just like plotted. It was like after f- the forgiveness okay, part, you'd yeah. apologize. It was winter, and I was like, yeah, you know what. And you're a child then, so you're not thinking, like, well, well, we're all cool now. And, like we used to see them after, say hello and stuff like that. But it it took it getting to that point that my uncles had to come and fight yeah. before it stopped. And what would you say, because those were some of the earliest memories of someone like making you feel othered. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. And it's like the thing when you notice in school that there's not many of you. And like when I first moved here, it was like, what, in the 90, 1990-something? I mean, this is the town where like BMP was in control yeah. at one point. Like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's known for it. And like trying to walk past a pub was the scariest thing. And unfortunately for us, we had like two pubs at both ends of our like area. Mm. So you always had to walk past the pub and then the fear of it. Or even like, let's say you're walking home and you need to pee and you like go into a pub. But just the, Everyone, the, the whole thing is like literally just stops. Well, the whole place still. stops and just looks yeah. at you. And like, what's awful about that is that I was a child. Yeah. By the very thing of what I was, a child, I was non-threatening. Do you know what? You, you kind of just arose some feelings in me. Like one of the earlier memories I had was, do you know, like school trips, they might take you out to... Um, so they took us to Belgium on a school trip, like nice, and yeah, in it, like, but in year nine, and obviously this is the first time we'd ever gone anywhere, like, like our school was like rough. So to take people over to Belgium, like, was a big deal for them. Mm. And I was just speaking, I was with my 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 boy at the time, and we were joking around, and this old couple were behind, and they're like, "Stop behaving like the baboon you are." And the oh. way my listen, I knew something had been said. Like time had like kind of froze because I didn't know how to start digesting that. And then my friend who was who's white, 
went mad. Like he's like, no, nah, you can't say that. Da, 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 da. You can't say that. Da, da, da. But I'm there just like frozen. And then I get back on the coach and like all the teachers start like coming to me like, you're right, you're right. How's, how's everything? And I just burst into tears. I don't know why, but I was just like, oh, I knew. No, nah, but I knew something had happened, but I couldn't no, work out like what like what that meant and I was like am I meant to be upset why are they all asking me am I okay um, was that not okay yeah you're not gonna catch some tears now and that was like the mentality but it was um yeah it was like moments like that and then it's just made me very aware of like you know just how someone else might perceive you and particularly the elderly and then it's weird how early it starts like I've got nieces and nephews who I'm protected with all of my very being and my heart and I remember like getting phone calls on my sister the first time, like it's not even something to be, but they all had first. Every black person has had a first when it comes to racism. <laughs> it's like, when, when did you, when did you know? You, you yeah, you had a first. Yeah. And like, I remember my nephew was, he wasn't, he wasn't even up to three at the time and he was in the supermarket with his, with his mum and the little boy was like, oh, why is he black? Like, and then they hear things like that in their nurseries. Like it, these things are not, oh, I don't know. It's, it's, it happens to us from young, you you are of it. Like, and I see it with my niece and nephew, my niece especially, like, like it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's insane to me. No, it's, it is mad. And you wrote in an article, and this this kind of links um, to, like, a, a discussion that I wanted to have. It was, um, do you remember writing for The Independent as a black woman, I hate the term people of colour? Yes, I do remember writing for The Independent, writing yes. that, because I Come... only got paid £50 for it. Call them out. <laughs> Tell them. Hey, I beg. Hey, hey, Tolly's army. Hey, I beg. Run pounds. them down. Got... Do you know, that post Run is always hilarious down. to me, because it was my first piece I did as a freelancer. Yeah. So I did it, got like, um, commission, uh, asked to do it. They said yes or whatever. I got commission. I was like, sick, you know what? Yeah, cool. I'll, I'll get some money this month. And when they paid me £50, <laughs> I was like, so what? <laughs> it's mad and even those conversations in terms sometimes you don't even know how to do it's not you're always made to feel somewhat grateful so you don't know how far you should be pushing Mm -hmm. like hold on is that should i just be happy i caught a 50 pound but no i think there was something that like the reason why it hit me a bit is because i think i was speaking to a friend and i was like there's something that doesn't sit 100 percent right with me about the term people of color i understand it and i understand it's it's like political correctness where it lies but I was like, there's something that doesn't sit right with me about it. And I couldn't put my finger in it. So I typed it on Google. And this was before I knew I was interviewing you. Yeah. So I just typed it on Google. Like, I just wanted to see if anyone else had some similar opinions. And boom, the article came up. I was like, this was meant to be. Like, <laughs> uh, this was, like you, you've been said it before. But I think you touched on some some like important points. And like, how do you feel about it now? Does that something you're just like, it's what it is? Oh, I hate the term people of colour, women of colour, Bane, POC. I hate it I hate it because there's so many factors to why I hate it one of it is that like I am black you saying you don't see my color you not wanting to refer to my color is assuming that you think there's something wrong with my color by saying you don't see my color you are taking away a lot of who I am like my blackness means too much to me for someone to say, oh, I don't see colour. You're going to see this, bitch. <laughs> I'll show you my melanin like, strong. You are going to see this. Like, do you know how much I spend on body cream? I cream every day. I hate it. I hate, I hate creaming. I hate creaming. Yet I do yes. it every single day. We are here. Yeah. So I can shine bright. Yeah. You don't, don't see that. my colour. It's important for you to see it. Another reason is that ethnic minorities were not homogenous. Yeah. And I see it because 
I've had racism from Asian people. A lot of people have had racism from Asian people, uh, from other groups of ethnic minorities that still see us as the lesser because we are the we are the least closest to black to white. Sorry, yeah, we are the like we are when we're, we're so far from it, but they are still quite white facing. They can still you know ride the line a little bit, so it's okay for them. I saw a really interesting tweet, and I think it's so brilliant. And it said, once we realise the difference between ethnicity and race, that then we're doing good mm-hmm. because. Yes, you can be Italian, but you are white. You still get the benefits of being white-facing. And then even within certain cultures, there's there's the secular system based on the, the casting of exactly, their skin. So it's exactly. like, we know that obviously certain complexions can reap the rewards. Exactly. And also it's this idea that like, whiteness is the gauge of what's right and everything else are others mm. if you want to do it stick them in as well call it yeah, we exactly. poke Broke, yeah. so we poke like, we'll we <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. if you're really about it what is Start it, it yeah. whiteness is the mark and it's just even just like I said it doesn't sound right when people refer to me as a person of colour or when I refer to myself as I am a person of colour it just it, I don't know it just it, in, intrinsically there's something that doesn't sit right for me but that, that doesn't mean that people should stop using it but you're allowed to have your your reservations about it yeah it's for white people's comfort and okay you have to question why you're uncomfortable saying black what are your connotations with that what do you link with blackness that makes it a bad thing for you to say why does black feel like a dirty word yeah yeah. (laughs) question why you're worried about saying that yeah no and and you definitely wrote about it so you ain't with it and if anyone wants to yeah if anyone (laughs) wants to find it then yeah you can you can pick up some bits but i know like you're 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 a pretty like a, a potent writer like in terms of like you being featured in different publications you used to write for buzzfeed beauty That's, editor right this is very kind of you yeah. <laughs> but yeah i did yeah wow. no it's true because i feel like a lot of people might all oh, depends you've got like a following and everyone thinks they're your best friend just through hearing you on a mm. weekly basis so but there, there are a lot of people who like again might engage with some of your written work and might have not listened to the receipts there's a lot of people that have no absolute no idea who i am and that's okay. this is it and this is why it's like yo hey this is your moment for a moment yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so shan lap it up, lap it up. <laughs> um no but what i was saying is like yeah so it's like you're writing for like BuzzFeed um, and other publications. Has content and like actually writing always been first before podcasting? Yeah, writing was always going to be what I was going to do. Like I was one of those people that knew quite early on. Like I remember, do you know the year 10 work experience? Yeah. I did my magazine. Okay. What was it? Can you remember what the magazine was? Of course I can. Sugar Magazine. It was my favourite magazine at the time. Oh, sick. The best ever. And I got to like work there for two weeks. Like I didn't do much, but it was, it was amazing. Um, So (laughs) I always knew I was going to write. That was always like my, I'd I'd always enjoyed it. And at the time it was like, like reporting, like if you went to be a writer, the only thing that was plausible for me was a journalist. It was like, I don't know. I didn't think about like writing like, stories or anything like that which is yeah you become a journalist sort of thing and so that was what I was always going to do and I loved beauty and that allowed me the chance to do to add two things that I really like together like oh beauty and writing I could be a beauty writer I could be a beauty editor great that's what I'm going to do then mm-hmm. I think everything I do I want it to be all encompassing on storytelling like storytelling is my kink like I enjoy telling stories and hearing stories so much mm-hmm. That's why even when, like, it's, it's, I just, I just love it. Like, I have really fun memories of, like, being in Nigeria and would be on the, all the kids that lived in the area would be on the compound and, um, the an adult every night would tell us a story and it always started with, like, they'll say story, story, we'll be like, story, and then we once upon a time, 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 which is what 
why I called the new thing I'm working on Story Story, Story, Story which was recently it, launched today. Yes. Yeah. So it's from those memories of, and it was like, I think most Nigerians, if you say to them, Story, Story, they reply, Story, Once Upon a Time, 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 there was a girl, girl, girl. It was just like <laughs> something we just did. And it was like, I have the best memories of doing that. So I've always known that I just like hearing stories. Yeah. No, yeah. And, and definitely, I was I was going to ask you about story story a bit later on, and it's one of those things that again it's, it seems to be a thread that you just love stories, but also stories that relate to your personal experience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, with the receipts, and obviously you lot had what the first the first time you lot launched was in October two thousand and sixteen, yeah. Yes. And um, this it actually came about through you putting a call out, right? Yes. So, so I tweeted. I was like, I've got a name. I just need girls to start a podcast. Hmm. And the name was isn't was not the receipts. Um, it was cocktails and cocktails. Do you get it? I get it, but <laughs> I get it. But do, do, yeah, the receipts runs. Yeah. I like that. We we yeah. done good. We done good. Like we done. yeah, it was an initial idea, you know. Um, cocktails and cocktails. Cocktails. I just thought, oh, this works. Okay. Um. So that was like, so I've got the name. I just need the girls. And before that, I I love podcasts. Like I listen to serial and was obsessed with serial when serial first came out i listened i caught serial only last year like don't be mad at me but i caught it last year and i could have told you from the first episode this was adnan but anyway i won't even say no no, 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 no. wait wait adnan is innocent no adnan can't be innocent listen adnan, adnan did not oh my I've, God, listen I, we're not gonna get into this i've done <laughs> and that is the end of today no I'm all i will say on it because i don't know how many people are in tune Okay, if he didn't do it, he knows something he's not saying. Let me tell you how much I thought Adnan did not do it. There was a point in my life I was going to write Adnan a letter. <laughs> what? I just be like, I'm on your side, just Adnan. Be like, from I just, London. I know. Yeah, just, just show you love from London, man. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to see him laying down, man. I love you, Adnan. <laughs> I was like, no, that's too far, that's too far. Anyway, we won't, because we could do a whole podcast on just us reviewing, like, We could. So, yeah, no, you're you're a big fan of podcasts and... Yeah, so, yeah, I put a tweet out um, and then, like, a bunch of girls, like, replied to it and then from there I DM'd the girls and then went to emails and, like, what was, like, a long list kind of, like, was five initially... And then, like, one of the girls, who was great and I still love her now, she just kind of decided that before we started before we did anything she was like you know what this is like not for me i'm trying to concentrate on like another part of her career so yeah sure absolutely then there was four of us and then four of us ran for about over a year and a bit and then um phoebe left mm. and then th- now there's three of us yeah and you lot have been killing it for a strong minute as well it seems Thank you. like i said if the amount of the amount of like the amount of individuals who have listened to the receipt or continuously listen to the receipt, you've got bare best friends that you don't even know exist. Like, Honestly, it's quite, it's really nice. Bare best and friends. Best friends, sisters. What I'm not like with is that like, people calling me aunties. I'm like, shit, am I old enough for people to be no. auntie? <laughs> no, an auntie's a state of mind. Like, you could be auntie at 12. Like auntie's, are, like you have, to, you have to accept that title of auntie. But you know what it is? You're probably an agony aunt as well. So it comes mm. with it's like auntie, auntie. I mean, I get it because I think I underestimate like how old I actually am. People are listening to this that are 15. So yeah, like, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm 15 years older than you. Even if, like at 20, I'm 10 years older than you. So, like, I, I understand it. But I think like, it's because I'm like, auntie. Auntie but, is not, not... Be, Yeah, when I was younger, 30 year olds like, were so old to me. Mm. So it makes sense. Obviously, you guys are still releasing episodes, but you've been doing live shows as well. So mm-hmm. what was like one of the biggest live shows that you guys had managed to kind of get together? 
So our last London one was probably our biggest audience. And we did it at, oh God, it, it's in Oxford, um, Oxford Street, it's in Hackney. What is this venue called? I can't remember the name of the venue. Yeah. Of my head, my like head Earth was one of these. That's exactly what it was. Hey, come, <laughs> hey, reeling, reeling. Come on. <laughs> Thank you very come much. Come at me, come at me. Another one, please. Come. This is great. Yeah. Yes, it was Earth. And like numbers wise, that was our biggest audience. I think that was going on to a, a thousand or something. Lord. Like London, like yeah, numbers as in at one same time, and the ticket sold out within like a, like four hours, which mm. was insane. Like we didn't expect that at all. I think like end of last year we did like a UK tour, which was so amazing. Like I really really enjoyed doing it, and it was just nice to see people outside of London because obviously because we're all from London, it's very London centric, and I feel quite guilty about that sometimes because it's like people everywhere that listen. So like doing the tour was so good for us because we got to see people like we went to like Manchester, went to Birmingham, went to Dublin, went to like these places that I didn't even think anyone even knew us there. But in the same way, like are people acting like sycophants from like the moment they see you guys? Like is that love still felt like even not in London? Yes, Mad. I think even more so. Yeah. I think even more so because, like, with London, you can see me in a district line. Like, I like I'm about. <laughs> you can see me in ends. Like, I've been I'm blind. about. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I'm about. Like, I, I go to DLT. Like, I'm about. We're like, there, we're yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm there. I'm, I'm active. I'm active in London. So, like, even more so because just like we don't get to share that experience with people that are outside of London. I, I love it. I think during a tour, of Manchester was probably my favorite show that we did mm. like i loved it and like even after the show we went clubbing with the girls i was fun. even gonna say it must even be a mad feeling to know that the way that you guys have obviously come together your perspectives there's someone in manchester who might have lived very similar or not even very similar might have not never lived the life or day in your shoes but still relates to elements of that podcast so it's mm -hmm. like yo you lot are touching you're touching souls out here like there's people no it's so it's so nice it's like when people come up to us like do you don't know what this has done for me and sometimes it's not because we've been like go and do this sometimes the magic is them seeing us do this mm -hmm. So it's not because, oh, because Tony said I should quit my job, that's why I quit it. No, <laughs> but because I saw this person do this and I was like, okay, cool, that's encouraged me to do it. And one of my biggest things in life is I don't think we can underestimate the power of, of seeing yourself. Like, I tell this all the time, seeing Jean Sampong on television right. did so much for me. T4 more than days. anyone, yeah, like, more than like, anyone would know. Like, yeah. that That made me, okay, cool, It's it's this is realistic then. Mm. So I think there is a power in people, seeing people that, Look, not only look like them, sound like them, yeah. have lived their experiences, can talk about a thing that they also know very much about as well. And are being unapologetically like themselves. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. yo, most of these platforms that you thought to make it or to be in these places, you really have to have diluted your character to get there and be like, it's like, no, you lot are just talking like unfiltered, like, mm -hmm. yo, this is us. But um, do you find that there are um, even people who hit you up when you haven't like, because you guys give advice. Has, has anyone hit you up like, yo, I actually took that and that did not work. And I've lost my my partner, my life partner because of this. I mean, some people like, <laughs> don't don't listen to us, to be honest. They're just like, okay, cool. Yeah, like, you said you leave him. I'm not going to leave him. Ultimately, with advice, that's what most people ultimately do what they're going to want to do. Mm. And, I, and a lot of times people know the answer. They just want to hear someone else say it to them. Mm. Many people that have left the relationship after this will be like, I could have left month six but I was like, no, nah, I really like this guy in it. And then you left year two. Yeah. <laughs> Wasted a yeah. time. And, what yeah. you knew was yeah. a red flag in month six. You're like, oh, it'll change, it'll change, it'll change. So mm -hmm. no one's actually said you've ruined my life, thankfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
No, and you know what? Again, it's your your the caveat is like I'm here, I'm your voice in your head, but I'm not the actual voice in your head. Like yeah. I can't I can't take I can't come here and lie down for you. This isn't my bed. Ultimately, like, do what you want. Do it, yeah. Exactly. Like I'm glad you enjoyed that hour, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Go now. It's your life. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's one of those things when you look back over this time, like that you've obviously been you lot have been killing it. You're getting like crazy like sponsors. You guys are doing mad live shows. You're like connecting to people around the UK. How was your relationship to like peace of mind over those years? Oh, so when this was all like kicking off and stuff, I remember saying to the girls, I was just like, when we're becoming more visible, I was like, okay, cool. I know like we were like thinking about, oh, I want to like start looking better or working out or whatever. I was like, I think it's important that everyone gets a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I've, I've, I, I remember I just sat them down. I was like, please girls get a therapist, get someone you can talk to because I think this is going to be harder than we think it is. I find being visible very difficult. And it's weird because I'm such a confident person. and I don't shy from attention. I can get with it, but I I, I find it really difficult because I don't think anybody should know what people think about them so much. I don't think it's healthy. And with social media, you've just got like I, mirrors. I know, exactly. Mm. I know people's reaction to me every single time. I know the ones that can't stand me. I know the ones, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 so I think it's really weird to have that much information and what people think about you. Yeah. And like a lot of it is love and a lot, and even sometimes the love feels like I'm not doing enough. Why, do, why are people so nice to me? Do you know what I mean? It makes me question who I am. And like I've said it to people or my therapist, I was just like, sometimes people say really nice things about me. And I'm like, what are you lot seeing? It's weird because I can draw comparisons in that myself. Like sometimes you just want to create great stuff. You want to have those great conversations, but you don't necessarily want to be the the, the face that everyone's going to constantly be able to mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. That's, that's Tolly. Like, yo. I think that that can cause some next feelings, but I, I don't know. What, what, what did your therapist say for like how you should probably start looking at that? What are they giving you? What sort of tools? Um, in terms of like, <laughs> has she it, been worth it, the money? Like, is she good? Well, she out here? <laughs> no, no, she, no, they definitely, definitely has been. And it's a thing of like, not even like to keep you humble or anything. It's just like dealing with it and managing it and kind of making you feel, see how it's not really that important. And I think outside of my therapist, my family have been so good at that for me. Like, my family, like my sister, for example, she, or even a lot of my friends, they're not even that heavy in social media. So I'll go be like, oh, and then this person said this, and I'll be like, who's, who's that? So they make me realise how, in the bigger picture, how unimportant it is. And do you know what? Someone's always told me, like, people actually don't care that much. They um, don't care. Yeah, they they don't care that much. They're on to the next tweet, like another Literally. troll. And that's why I said to myself, I was like, I am never going to get drawn out again in my life. Why has there been moments where someone's there managed been moments to... moments where people yes. have drawn me out. And it's always because when I get drawn out, what annoys me more is not what they said, it's my reaction to it. That's what pisses me off. That's what ruins my day. Yeah. It's the way I reacted to it. And you know you you know that they drew you out and it's like yeah. watching them drawing you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and I was like, <laughs> never again in my life will you not draw me out again. Well, can you remember one of the draw outs that you're like, ah, oh, that was like just a uh, stress. It was one recently. So we did um, a podcast with the BBC called um, Corona Cast. And so basically the whole premise of the podcast was talking about how Corona has affected everyone and what you're doing during lockdown or whatever, whatever. So during it, one of the questions was something about, obviously, um, Corona has affected more black lives and ethnic minority lives. And I was like, well, yeah, that's that's been true for me because obviously I don't know how fact, at the time there was no facts to it. So I was like, it's true from what I've seen because what people that surround me are black. Mm. So the people that I've seen affect it more are, and I think it's because of like who works in these places. Like our parents are carer, carers. They're, they're the working, they're on the front line. They're in this field. So gets put out, BBC just put a clip 
And then some girl must have said that, um, why did they get the receipts to talk about this? They're not got a scientist, blah, 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 blah. I remember, I, like, I wasn't going to say anything to it at the time, but I, like, I just kept seeing bare tweets about it. And like, there's a really weird feeling of like, seeing yourself or something you're involved in being talked about and like, not reacting to it. So instantly I was just like, no, nah, I'm talking. I don't care what it was. Like, nah, I'm talking. <laughs> you're going <laughs> to feel, you're going to feel. <laughs> talking, mum. And like, because what I even replied wasn't even weird. I was just like, the BBC literally have a 24 hour service where they talk about this. Like, I'm sorry that you only see news when I'm on it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> This is just a short <laughs> clip. I'm talking about my own personal experiences. And she's drawn, and I'm getting drawn out so much. I started talking about my uncle that was in the coma. And I was like, actually, no, no, no. Don't. I, don't need to, I don't need to do this. Yeah. Did she leave it at that? Or did you end up like having to just no, barrage no, her? No, no. no, no literally, I, t- I didn't even at her. I just tweeted what I had to say. Okay, but cool. like, it's one of those people where like, as usual with Twitter, the insult always gets bigger than the apology or the realisation. So I think she realised later when she listened to the whole thing that it wasn't that. But of course, that would have never made as much noise yeah. as the initial tweet. Yeah. So I was just like, you know what? Yeah, it's not going to happen to me again. I'm not going to get drawn out. Mad. And that, that is that is a, like a good piece of advice that you'd probably what, what give to anyone. Like not oh, to yeah. Get, yeah. So it's not, it's it's not, not worth, worth it. it. It's, it's never really worth, worth it. Because honestly, that whole thing, I even forgot what she said. It was my reaction to it. Mm. And I was like, you put more attention to it. Like, what are you doing? Mm. So obviously you were talking about with your, your life coach or therapist who, mm. who's helped you kind of make sense of and how to deal with like the last few years of like the receipts, everyone like kind of being your best friend and you, you kind of moving forward. What would you say like one thing you know for certain about navigating the world? Oh, I don't know if I have any certainties. If not a certainty, we could say just something you're pretty sure of. And again, you might be able to check this again in two years and be like, no, 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 what I said then, he, I didn't mean it like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I know now you can't hit them. Not even to be soppy. So I'm a big believer of love in all of his forms. Mm-hmm. Like in its romantic, in its parental, in, all, in every single form of it. But like, I'm adamant. There's something fucking magical about love, man. And I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, let's just hold hands and love each other. I'm not going to cure racism. It's not even that. <laughs> like, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not as fickle as that for me. Hmm. Like, there is just something in the notion of being in love, being loved and seeing love that I really think shapes people a lot more than what they think they do. Sometimes it feels like what I talk about is fluffy because I talk about love a lot. I talk about relationships a lot. But I, I hate when people underestimate the power of it. I hate when people make it seem like a small girl thing. When really you think love is all encompassing and can... I think it's fucking huge. I haven't found the words for it yet. And I think, I don't think I ever will just because of how big it is. I think it fills many holes. It, like, love allows you to feel belonging. It, it, it like lessens loneliness. Like even the love for your work allows you to create better. There is a love for yourself allows you to move around the world better. That's not soppy. I think, I think, that's not soppy. (laughs) 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 No, just wiping away tears. Um, No, 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 it's real. It's real. It is real. And I think the way you've just kind of put that into the different avenues, it it reinforced, actually, you know what? You're not telling a lie here. So what would you say we need to find more love? And that could be any of those types of love. That's one thing you know about navigating. Yeah, I think one thing I know about navigating life is like things that are done with love, with a feeling of being felt love, are, do- are better. Are they just done better? I like that. Like it just moves better. Yeah, that's that's what we're writing down. I think we're going to run with that. Okay. Um, and there's a few more questions I just wanted to ask, but you mentioned story story a bit earlier yes. on. 
what is happening with Story Story? Let us know what, what what's happening. What is that about? So Story Story is this. It's a platform that I created, I guess, and um, that is dedicated to like storytelling. So in the base of it at the moment, it's just an Instagram, and what it looks like on Instagram now is a page where I write. Or I'm eventually going to have other writers write as well, and the writing is performed a monologue, and then it's performed by an actor. The long term of it, I've got such bigger plans. So, I mean, a lot of my week this week has been like strategizing and making like business formats and like talking to like designers and things like that. I have a massive thing for it. Okay. Because I'm um I'm trying to get to a point that my content doesn't live on on things that don't belong to me. Because mm. Instagram benefits Instagram. If Instagram decides today they don't want long videos anymore, story story is dead. If it lives on that platform. Whereas if we, if you had this website which was all in. Yeah. So I'm trying to really see what ownership means to me and what, like, how I can get everything I'm working on. Because I, I write and I have things on Medium. If Medium decided I don't want things anymore, where's all my work on Medium going to go? So right now, it's, uh, your, your mentality is on how you can secure your own sort of, not necessarily lane, but your, your financial freedom, your, your content, like pretty mm-hmm. much self-preservation. Absolutely. That's, that's a beautiful thing. And I think that's, what a lot of people have probably been awakening to at different moments it's like yeah why are we giving control literally giving control to someone else like mm-hmm. uh, don't get me wrong there is a period that they can help you and help you of course oh absolutely thing. i'm a strong believer of that so what does it look like then like so story story at the moment's only got three posts on it right yeah yeah so it looks it's like a storytelling space it's okay. just like if it's a monologue if it's written content and send them bigger pictures like written content monologue podcast all the spheres in which we can make stories, mm. let's make it and create it in this. Story, story, it's black. And this is probably the first and only time I'm ever going to say it's black. It's black without being like, oh, look, all black people. It's, <laughs> it's just going to be black by what it is. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, I'm only looking for it. You're just going to see that it is black. <laughs> like, it's not a space I'm going to explain. I'm not going to explain why it's this reason. You're just going to... It's just black because it's black. <laughs> no, I hear that. And then when, when can we expect anything? Should we just keep an eye on it? And just... just keep an eye on it. Yeah, yeah it's it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long term thing because like I'm in the, if I'm going to do it, do it right. And like at the moment, the Instagram pages, I want the stories to be told out there. I want to say space for stories to be told out there. And like, for me, like, I like, I really enjoy humor, even in moments of darkness, like that. I really, I really like that. I like all this, like, oh, should I laugh? Yeah. Or it's like, you go from laughing to crying. Yeah. I really enjoy that. So I always say, I say to people like, well, it depends even to me, laughter's like, if you're asking me what peace of mind is, it's like, yo, if I can be in a room with people who make me laugh harder and smile wider, then I'm in the right place. And That's obviously nice. it's not always something you can do and always be around. And there are dark moments, but I also think if you can find some of that in in it like you find something that could just flip the perspective a touch that don't mean walk through and laugh at everyone's like hardships but no, you know you can you can find your you can find your little thing but i i think i'm up to myself i'm like one of the funniest people in my own head same um, <laughs> i think i am hilarious um, but it's not it's it just it's not that deep it's, it's really not but you are going to save me a space on story story right yeah whenever you're ready i'm like i'm all for it and do you know what it was actually something i had to look because i remember like i put the first story out and i was like put a shout out for other writers and like people started emailing me and i was like oh right, give me time you know, like, <laughs> like but it was like i had to get out of my own ego yeah i'm really glad that that happened to me early because it's like this is this is a space for stories and if it's just you if it's just me writing it they're all going to sound alike i don't want it to be that space 
you want to be able to bring in all of the the fabrics and all stories all things like i want to i want to hear them all and a lot of things i've never experienced and yeah i just want to hear over some things i have experienced but it's someone saying it in a different way and i think that's what's going to make the platform amazing when if when it's varied voices i think the idea of just having one voice like at what it is story story is not reporting it's not telling you what happened in the news is a platform where you're you're hearing stories. You're you're talking to a mate. Mm-hmm. How a mate delivers news to you is different. How BBC News delivers news to you. It's not a news reporting channel. It's no. more of a place for people monologues, actors, um, and focus on actual stories. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're wrapping up, and it's one of those things. You've been sick to talk to, like all of the energy and all of what I'd hoped for. Thank you. This has been fun with you. Ah, see, we're, we're, we're talking about inflating, and you need to tell people the truth. Hey, listen, bucket list ticked. Third person, I'm here for it. I got all the time. But let people know about your socials and just where they can find you. Yeah, sure. Um, you can find me on all all socials on Facebook at no, no, no. Facebook, the Why did I say that? <laughs> you can find me on Bebo at. Why did I say that? <laughs> I'm not even on Facebook. Why did I say that? That's yes, the spirit was wrong. You can find me <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram with Tolly underscore T. Um, you can find Story Story on Instagram. It's called Story Story ATB, which stands for As Told By. And I'm on the Receipts podcast, which comes out every Wednesdays. And I host that alongside Audrey and Melina Sanchez. But yeah, three last questions I ask all the guests before they leave. And you're no exception. So happiest day of your life. This is the hardest question people ever ask me. Because like, oh, I've got a real thing. I actually need to deep dive into this in terms of like, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like when when really amazing things happen to me, it's like I feel out of body and it feels like I'm watching myself do it rather than mm, actually experiencing, experiencing it. it. So you're not always, you, you can't, you can I'm look not back there. and, yeah. I'm not active. Yes, I can't look back and think this was the happiest. I find this so hard. I don't think you understand how hard it is for me. <laughs> okay, I think of a recent one. Actually, yeah, I, I felt that one. Um, watching the Top Boy trailer at Drake's concert. You actually produced some of this Top Boy trailer, right? Yeah, so, so I like I wrote I wrote some of it. I wrote it. Yeah, I wrote it. So, so. you wrote it. Yes, not Top Boy the trailer. No, yeah. <laughs> Are you Boy. a starring? Um, <laughs> you, so, no, you wrote the trailer. Like yes. And did you meet Drake when you showed him it? No, <laughs> no. I'm like I'm so disappointed. Yeah. But I did meet him at um the after party for it, so that was cool. And what was he like? Tolly, the receipts. Oh my god, Tolly, yeah. oh, I love you. Yeah. No, um, it was a quick like hello. Did that a quick double kiss, which he fumbled, which is great because he <laughs> speaks about it on a song about how he fumbles double kisses. So I was like, that's very on brand. So it was just really quick. Come on, but it's, it's memorable. It's one in a yes. one in a history book. Yeah, haven't I think that moment I've actually seen it and like it was something I'd been working on for like a year or so and just thinking about all the work me and a particular guy called Janik that we both put into it and yeah I was really proud of that moment um second question something that overwhelms you um expectations overwhelm me your own other people's my own no other people's actually other people's do you think that people are as vocal like about what they expect from you or is it that you you think that you know what they expect I think sometimes I, the thought of like I guess it's my own end there's the thought of quote-unquote not living up to my potential actually makes me feel sick it overwhelms me so much as it stops me 
it ends up being a hindrance. A yeah, I'm just like, well, if I don't try, then like you know. Mm. So yeah, that expectations and like the future overwhelms me. Final question is best piece of advice that someone else has given you. It's not even advice. My mum always says, um, not all fingers are equal. If I look at someone, I'm like, what the hell is this woman talking about? Like, not all fingers are equal. And it's just kind of, it's just a really simple way just to be like, look at the fingers in your hands. Even they're not equal. How can you expect people living around you to be, all be equal, to have the same views, to see things in the same ways? And it might not make sense to anyone, which has been saying it to me for years. Now you've passed it on to me and I'm looking yeah, at my hand. Like, I'm out here something... looking at my hand now. I'm like, yeah, shit. Like, like, something can happen and I'd be like, oh, that person got this. Like, not all fingers are equal. Like, it's it's mm. fine. Like, you're, you you have a use. Every finger has a use. You have your point. She said something to me recently and I was like, you're such a G. And it wasn't advice. And I was just like, it was the most comforting thing I'd ever heard. Um, I was joking about it for her. She was just doing something. I was like, oh, you're so annoying or whatever. So we're joking about talking, talking, talking. And then she goes, before she actually walked up my room, she was just like, Remember, I'm never going to leave you before you're, before you're ready. She said it in Yoruba and she was just like, I'm never going to leave you at like, a point that you're not ready, that like you're not strong enough yet. That's, that's powerful. And I, it was so comforting wow. to me. Like, it was like, like, you've got me now, but don't like, when I do go, when I'm not you here anymore, I've, I'm, I've, I've made you ready. Yeah. And honestly, it was the most comforting thing that she's ever said to me. Because it was in Yoruba, it sounded a lot more beautiful as well. Yeah. Oh, and I was just like, oh. Mama. <laughs> yeah, I was Mama. Like, oh, yeah. And like I just I don't feel like everybody has the luxury of their parents doing that for them. They they don't. And do you know what? Not everyone has the luxury to even 10, 15 years slash mm-hmm. 30 years and sometimes you've got to look at it and be that the other blessings are real and Yeah. Hold tight your mum because that was beautiful, like Yeah, it really I was just like and and I think it was that for me it was just like my mum has installed enough things in me that whenever it's needed I can dig deep and find it. Mm. And that, that, yeah, I was like, yeah, you know what, yeah. Big, listen, if you want to do a spin-off called The Invoice, I'm here for you, like, we can, <laughs> <laughs> we can do it back to back. Um, <laughs> no, we'll make it work, we'll make it work. Thanks for having me, bye guys. <laughs>